Sports Ethos New York Knicks podcast, Andre Gallagher, and well, Knicks down 3-1. I came into this series thinking there is no way that he can beat the Knicks. The Knicks had too much, too good of a bench. They can't guard Julius Randle. They'll figure it on out. They've played this team before. They know them. They've played in Miami. It's not really the strongest of home court advantages for them. With the Knicks, all the Knicks fans down there, well, I was wrong. This team's getting smacked around six ways from Sunday. I don't have any confidence that they're going to win this game because all of that confidence was sapped when they didn't win game four, even though it was a close game and they played better and they started Grimes. They shot better. The offense was better. But then they had an offensive rebounding problem. Then they had a turnover and brain brain numbing turnover problem. It's just Miami is just more they're they're just more locked in to what needs to be done. The Knicks are just a step behind in every aspect of the game. And you saw Julius Randle's comments were comments he's being criticized for, but if you watch the interview, it's the context of it is very different. He's basically kind of calling out his teammates for him and, and his teammates for their lack of effort. He's not just nonchalantly saying, I guess they want it more. He's, that's his way of giving him and his teammates a kick in the butt for, for being out hustled. And they were. Some of it is schematic. You saw it was a breakdown on Twitter. I think the Strickland or Ritz or, or Riz Holmes Holzman on Twitter did I think it was I think it was Ritz Holzman. And he talked about how Miami they would crash the boards, but they're crashing the free throw line. Like I think it's a little bit overstated. I think some of it was happenstance and some of it some of the times they had, they got offensive rebounds and the ball was tapped at the rim, tapped out. But it's obvious that Miami understands that long long shots mean long rebounds. It's a simple thing. And they're putting themselves in position to get those rebounds on top of the fact that they're out hustling the Knicks, on top of the fact that they're reading the ball off the rim. That's a skill. Josh Hart has it. IQ has it. Not everyone has it. And you see Lowry has it. They're reading the ball off the rim. They're they're seeing how the ball's going to ricochet, and then they're beating the Knicks to the spot. You're seeing the Knicks have a combination of not hustling to to get these long rebounds, and also trying to face guard from the perimeter to keep guys off those offensive rebounds, which allows the guys who are being boxed out at the front of the rim to just release from being boxed out and get the long rebound because nobody from the guard position is coming down to get it because they're trying too busy trying to face guard the, the crashers. I think this game is it's really easy to point to effort. I don't think it was effort. I just think that they're not as they're just not as good as basketball players. They're just not as fundamentally sound across the board as basketball players, and they're not playing with with confidence at every level of the game, every aspect of the game, the way Miami is. And some of that falls to coaching. Some of that falls to just the fundamentals of the players that are playing. Just it's just simple things. Julius Randle with the in early in the first quarter with a nonchalant little pass to to uh, Jalen Brunson that was stolen by Gabe Vincent. You know, the inbounds passes that were stolen. It's just like pay attention, be sharp. 
the reason why they're a step ahead is because they know everything that you're doing and you're not reacting to their overreactions. So you're not reading the game. You're not being, you're not anticipating anything. You're just going through the motions and thinking you're just going to outplay them when they're like, oh, you ran this 50,000 times. You do this every time I'm on it. And they play with that kind of freedom because they think they can score every time and they can stop you every time. Another Nick Observer friend of mine mentioned something Charles Barkley said at halftime. I don't ever watch the halftime conversation of in Nick games, especially when they're losing, because you know it's all it's always reactionary. It's very it's not much nuance and usually a lot of shade, so I don't pay attention to it. But he mentioned to me that Charles Barkley says that Spolster gives the Miami Heat players confidence. That's one of the things he does. I mean, I think that's one hundred percent true. I don't think that's all of it. But I think that's 100% true. I think the reason why they have confidence is because they were developed to do a job that they're being asked to do. Those players were developed in the Miami system. Outside of Lowry, who you know who he is, and Butler, who you know who he is, Struess, Duncan Robinson, Martin, they were developed by that team to do exactly what they're doing. And yes, Spolstra gives them confidence, and that confidence comes from them being prepared for every aspect of their opponent. And I think Tibbs is well known for doing that same thing, but it's the little details that Spolster's picking up that maybe Tibbs isn't. But at the end of the day, I think it's the fundamentals of the players. It's the fundamentals of Randall. It's the fundamentals, and RJ's played well, so I'm not going to pick on him, but the fundamentals of, of Randall, of Mitchell, and all of the guys who have not been consistent in the series. You know, Josh Hart hasn't shot the ball strong, strongly in this series, but you know he does everything else pretty well. You know, even Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes is on the floor. There are plays that he should be making that he doesn't make. He second guesses himself. And you can say, well, Tibbs doesn't give Grimes confidence to play his game. Okay, maybe. I know that Tibbs gives him the green light to shoot. So beyond that, it's I believe it's on the players. And I, I don't, and you could definitely blame Tibbs for that, but I think in general, it comes down to the players. Like Quentin Grimes has a skill set that most of the league has not seen, and most Knicks fans have. If When he attacks a closeout, he can make a play, but I think he very desperately doesn't want to step on the toes of Julius Randle or RJ Barrett or what have you, instead of realizing that he's out there to make plays just like that especially when they're not playing well. So you have not seen him unlocked. IQ has the ultimate green light to do what he wants to do, but you saw him struggle for almost two series now. And he tried to turn it on. He turned on the aggressiveness in game four when he got hurt. You've seen him struggle for two series now because, not because he, he didn't have the green light to do what he wanted to do, but because what he's good at was being taken away and he didn't have a counter. And again, that falls that falls on Tibbs, but it, it's player development. It's the thing that Miami has that Nick doesn't. Nick's don't. They have a, a player development system that prepares these players for these moments. You take this away, we do this. Look at the pick and roll game that they they run. When the when the lower man comes over and stops the the roller, the corner pass is made instantly. Instantly, there's no second guessing. Is made so quickly that it doesn't give the defense a chance to get there beforehand. Whereas the Knicks, on the other hand, 
when the second man comes, they turn around looking for somebody to pass to. That's a key difference in the series. They, they need to find someone open. Miami knows who's open most of the time. Not, I'm not going to overstate it most of the time. They know what open person is going to be. Doesn't matter who it is on the team. They penetrate and help defenders come. They make that next pass. No hesitation. No hesitation. That's a key difference between the players on the court. And yes, that's preparations from, from Spolster, but that's players because that's simple stuff. <laughs> that's simple stuff. You know, there was, and I, I think I mentioned this last game, there was a uh, last show, there was a play where, where Hartenstein went to the free throw line to throw the ball over the top to Randall, who was posted up and with a fronting defender. And then a low man on defense came over to help. So he didn't throw that. So he, so he couldn't throw that pass to Randall over the top. So now on the weak side, you have one defender guarding two Knicks. Hartenstein didn't throw it to the weak side. He threw it back to the strong side where it was crowded with defenders. You know, something like that. And I don't want to pick on Hartenstein who makes the right play quite often. Something like that. That's not a mistake that Miami makes. And that's not necessarily something that Tibbs should have to beat down in your head. That's a read that you got to make on the fly and you should be prepared to make. If the lane is crowded, the low man comes, you make the corner pass or you make the wing pass. You make the one defender who's zoning off the corner and the wing shooters make a choice. That's a read. And yes, I guess if you drill the hell out of it all year long, that these guys are going to make that play and more instinctively and not have to, you know, rely on their own abilities to read it when they were on the court. I guess there's, there's some aspect to that involved, but just keep in mind that Miami has struggled all season long offensively. So we call Spostra all the geniuses in the world, and we can give him all the credit in the world for for drilling how to read defenses into his team all year, but they struggled all year. So, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, the Knicks the Knicks defense is being torn apart by the notion of all we got to do is shoot the ball, make or miss. We don't care because they can't score on us. <laughs> so at the end of the day, the end of the day, they're shooting with such confidence, they're shooting, shooting so freely because they know that the Knicks can't score on them. So there's a lot of reason for that confidence, and some of that is Spo, and a lot of that is the player development in Miami. But a lot of it is the fact that the Knicks can't score, and all of those shots are without any pressure any pressure to have to score on the other end. Oh, I should rephrase that. Any pressure to have to score because the Knicks aren't scoring on the other end. Everything is free and easy. Just take your time. Take your shot. And if you miss it, we know we can get the rebound. Because they're boxed out deep under the rim. It's almost like Adebayo is pushing when he gets boxed out, that he's pushing them farther under the rim so they have no chance of getting the rebound, and if he does get a hand on it, he just taps it back. And all of that, now if Hart played more minutes down the stretch, I think Hart would have got some of those rebounds or some embarrassing sequences in the fourth quarter when the Knicks had just a little, little slither of a chance to, to win the game. And they couldn't get a rebound. And uh, you, saw, you saw Quentin Grimes not be able to secure some of those long rebounds that you know 
part would and IQ would because they're good at reading the ball off the rim and they're good at getting those boards. But even when Hart was playing more significant minutes and they needed a big rebound, they were still getting rebounds with Hart on the floor. And and Hart's dominated, dominated since he comes to the Knicks. Getting rebounds, getting big rebounds, defensive rebounds. He's dominated, long rebounds especially. He's dominated other teams. So this is definitely coaching from Miami. This is definitely definitely individual acumen from the players when it comes to getting these rebounds. And it's, it's also about the Knicks not being a transition threat. If you're not worried about the Knicks on a fast break, then you can crash the boards with impunity. Randall is getting murdered for this game. Uh, a lot of people say he quit. I don't think he quit. I think Randall has ebbs and flows of being locked in to the level that the Miami Heat players are, are locked in the entire game. There's a lot of responsibilities when you're out there on the floor. There are a lot of responsibilities. He is a watcher. He'll he'll see something happening and he'll kind of get stuck on it and he won't he won't follow through on his responsibilities. Uh, sometimes he'll sag off of people he doesn't need to sag off on and then have to hard close out and, and then get a blow by. A lot of people get blown by in hard closeouts. It's a, it's a bad fundamental. It's a skill. It's a fundamental skill that not a lot of people have. I'm not just going to pick on Randall on it, but yes, he's not good at it. He's a much better defender when he's 1v1, even though he's not perfect, but he's a much better, nobody is. He's a much better defender when he's being attacked 1v1 and, and usually isn't. As a rotating defender, he can he cannot make the rotations he needs to make. He cannot make the defense at the rim that needs to, needs to happen. These are habits that we've discussed all year on the show. And I would say that he would go through ebbs and flows in the middle of a game. Ever since December, in the middle of games, one stretch of, of the game, he'll be locked in on both sides of the court. And some other stretches of the game, he won't be. And that hasn't changed in the playoffs. And his offensive game, he has the lowest field goal percentage of like 100 active players in the playoffs. That's just, I mean, that's that's just depressing. It's just depressing. I don't want to jump down. Randall's Randall's being, he's being killed. He's being killed nationally, locally. That doesn't, unfortunately, it usually doesn't make him play any better. Makes him play worse. He is likely, likely going to be more the same because he's, he's a streaky offensive player and that's just not... You can't count on streaky offensive players in the playoffs. That's ask Jordan Poole. You can't you can't count on, or I should say ask Golden State. You can't count on streaky players. They get hot, great. You ride the wave, but you need solid play every day. You need to be solid. And his his he doesn't have a solid enough foundation in his offensive game to rely on every game. Not like Jalen Brunson. He may not shoot well. He's playing hurt right now, just to be clear. So he's not as efficient as he's been in the regular season. He's not as quick as he was in the regular season. So he's really toughing it out. And you can say the same thing about Randall, but it doesn't look like Randall's having a physical toughness, uh, you know, a, a physical a quickness issue, I should say, or a toughness issue. It, it, it comes down to the skill the skill set. 
You know, Randall has a very slow wind up jump shot, right? They close out on Randall. Randall never attacks closeouts. Even in the regular season, he rarely attacks a closeout. If you scare him off the shot, he usually goes into a triple threat. Okay? But when you have a slow windup on your shot like that, it's really easy to attack the closeout because you the change in pace and movement is what confuses defenders. So you're doing that little slow windup and they're running out on you and then you quickly take your first step and drive by them. Even if you don't drive by them cleanly, you get enough on them to get yourself in the lane now, if, if Randall had just one example, if he had a more solid foundation, he gets himself in the lane. If he attacked from the left side of the court, he gets himself in the lane. If you had a little righty floater, that's money. You got this guy on your left hip, and you get into the middle of the lane and put up a little righty floater a la Jalen Brunson and not have to get to the absolute front of the rim where Bam Adebayo sitting there waiting for you and the help defenders might be sitting there waiting for you. Just a righty floater every time. Easy money. He don't have that shot. He don't even have the lefty floater. And when he does shoot it, it looks really, really awkward. Desperation. You haven't seen it in the playoffs. But it looks like a desperation floater. Even though he was good at it. Even though he made them when he took them. It doesn't look smooth. It doesn't look like, okay, I'm on my, I'm on, you're on my hip. I'm five feet from the rim. Let me just get this ball up. You got to come across my body to defend it. You're not going to. If I'm money on this shot, it's easy look for me. If Bam comes out too desperately, then I can drop the ball off. It's easy. I'm not saying, I'm not saying literally it's easy, but it's easier than what you're doing. <laughs> it's easier than what you're doing. Always trying to muscle your way past everybody, and you're muscling your way into the paint full of people. And then trying to force a pass to a poor free throw shooter who can't do anything but, but raise up and dunk. And there's too many people there. The same people, he's standing two feet away from you. The same people that made you give up that ball are going to be right there to defend him. Because it's not a clean pass. It's usually not a clean, meaning, when I say it's not a clean pass, meaning he did not take defenders away from Mitchell and then give Mitchell the ball. They're all standing in the same spot. And that's not all him. That's not all Mitchell. Some of that is coaching. Some of that is Mitchell's skill set. The point is, the pass is to the perimeter in that situation. That's the corner look. There's three people in the paint, not two. The little man comes down every time on penetration. You need to make that pass to the corner and start the perimeter swing, swing pass. Instead of trying to force that ball to, to uh, Mitchell Robinson, who's getting pushed around in the paint because he's not really open. And then he'll just get fouled, and he's going to miss the free throws. You can also dribble to the, to the dotted and shoot your little fadeaway, which I think he's really good at. When he gets, and I think it straightens his shot out. I think it straightens his shot out. He hit, he hit it a couple times in the last game. I think it helps him get his shooting confidence when he makes that shot. I always felt that way, and I advocated for that shot to start the season, I think, for him to take that shot more often, the little Patrick Hewen fadeaway. I think I mentioned it before this series. I think it's a good shot for him. Last year, he didn't make it very often. He was very off on that shot last year. This year, when he took it, he was money on it for the most part, and I think it straightens his whole game out when he takes that shot. It's an easy shot for him. If anybody who played basketball, you basically have to dot it in the lane, flicking the ball at the rim. For a professional, that's an easy shot because of his size and strength. He can create the space to shoot that shot, and usually he does it over smaller defenders. 
You don't see, you're not seeing not see that shot enough. And he gets, he gets a small defender on him. He starts backing people down. They're going to double. Absolutely. The reason why it's easy for them to double team is because of where Mitchell is standing. Let's talk about Mitchell Robinson who's getting a little criticism as well, but not getting enough rebounds. Some of that is schematic and people don't really understand that. Mitchell is getting taken away from the basket a lot because of the shooting of, of Miami. He has to be out on the perimeter a ton. So that means now it does mean that he should be better capable of getting a long rebound if he's going to be out there. And when he's not out there, he's getting pushed under the rim by Bam Adebayo, getting push, push, push. Sometimes it should be a call. Sometimes it's just good basketball because he has to help defensively. He gets pushed out of position and Bam Adebayo makes, makes him pay for it. And if he doesn't get the rebound, he tips it out and nobody, nobody's there to get the tip. Hartenstein has had an easier time getting those rebounds. But if you look, even Hartenstein is, is physically having to fight for those rebounds more than you're used to. He's not getting clean rebounds. The shot's not going up and not being contested almost every The rebound's not being contested almost every single time. And that's a credit to Miami. But it's really because they don't fare the Knicks transition game. So the Knicks not trying to push the ball after they're getting those rebounds and not trying to outlet strong outlet pass, and, and push the envelope on Miami, it hurts them on the boards. You get a couple runouts, you get a couple fast breaks, and then they're not going to try to crash in the boards quite as much. These are the things, Tibbs and the foundations of the players on the court. You get attacked on the offensive boards, you, you run, you push, you play with some pace. And they hardly ever do that. Now, some of that could be because Brunson is having a little trouble. Some of that could be because IQ was having trouble and now he's injured. But that's how you attack that. And that needs to be a focus. Now, you've seen Tibbs in the postgame talk about when the Knicks have had good pace, meaning he, he wants good pace. And they don't always have it. So that's on the players. So, you again, you, you acknowledge where Tibbs is failing, but then you also point out where the players aren't doing what he's asking them to do. He wants them to play with better pace. He wants them to look more like Miami in their offensive sets. But he has guys that tend to hold the ball too much. Even Jalen holds the ball too much. But Julius Randle is the worst at it. Julius Randle should be attacking quickly and decisively. He holds the ball, which allows if the defense moved around before you got the ball you, and you attack decisively, then you might catch somebody taking a false step in the wrong direction, which might lead to a bucket. But when you hold it, then now they can all settle up and, and decide where they want to be on defense and, and really get a good, good idea of what you're about to do, get into their game plan, etc. Play with pace and you're going to have them on skates too, even though your offense isn't nearly as potent as theirs. And to be fair, the Knicks, they played well offensively this last game. It doesn't seem like it, but they did. They shot well. And then it seemed like they play well defensively because for most of the game they didn't. But then in the fourth quarter, Miami slowed down. And I've seen that trend in the last three games. And Knicks just haven't been able to capitalize. Even in game three in a blowout, I thought. I thought it was important that the Knicks made Miami play the whole game. I thought that Miami slowed down in the fourth quarter. Not because they were up. Because they were starting to lose the lead. Anyway, so that's not why they slowed down. I think, I think they start feeling... All of the effort that they're giving on offense and defense, I think they start to feel it in the fourth quarter. It's only natural. But unfortunately, the Knicks are feeling it too because they're not getting anything from the bench. 
but game three, game four, the Knicks were all were able to slow Miami down. And in game four, Miami's pace of scoring dipped substantially in that fourth quarter. And you see they ended up in the same kind of points per game range that they have been all year long. Not all year long, this whole playoffs. While we've been talking about how great Miami's offense looks, I think 109 points is the most they've scored in the series. That was with a hot first half. That was at home. They they were 13 and 29 from three as at one point in this game, which is it's incredible. So that's with the Knicks turnovers. That's what a lot of the offensive rebounds came in the fourth quarter. That's with a lot of that nonsense. So the Knicks defense needs to, I think it needs to be sharpened up a little bit, but I think. Miami is going to have to start missing shots at the end of the day. I don't know if the Knicks defense is going to get to be much better than it is. But they can't stop turning the ball over. They got to get their defensive rebounds. They got to be clean. They got to play a clean game. And if they play a clean game, they can win this game at home. I'm not confident. I'm not confident. Too many injuries, too much poor play, not enough shooting. Miami's too confident on their end. And you know what? I said, if they don't win game four, they don't belong in the series. You don't win game five at home, you just that's just getting embarrassed. And that's what happened in the Atlanta series a couple years ago. So you don't belong in the series, you got beat, that's one thing. You don't win game five at home, you're just going to get it. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. But I'll say this, you win game five, then the goal is to be close second half of game six. That's the goal. Because Game 7 is its own entity. You don't think about winning three in a row. Obviously, the cliche is win one game at a time. But Game 5, you don't win it. You're not. You're outclassed. You're embarrassed. You're soft. You're every negative there is. You get to Game 6. You get to the second half of the third quarter. And a close game. Then that, that, that heat is going to start to be felt by Miami. That pressure is because they don't want to come to New York in Game 7. Of course, they're going to say all the right things, and they're going to come to play. But they don't want to come to New York for Game 7. You win this game to save your face, save face. And then you go into Game 6 trying to be close to the end of that third quarter, and you see what happens, and it may be a miracle. Maybe you could pop a miracle off here. But I just I don't personally see it. I'm, I'm happy to be wrong. I was wrong about Miami's ability to hang with the Knicks. I overrated the Knicks bench. In a big spot, I overrated Randall, the same Randall everybody thought, everybody with the Randall stands, the same Randall everybody thought he was going to be in the playoffs. He exposed himself. I underrated R.J. Barrett, give him credit, give him his kudos. I'm sorry Brunson is hurt. I know there's plenty of people that are going to say you're giving Brunson the pass, but to be honest with you, I think Brunson is one of the few Knicks that showed that they can perform on the biggest stage in the playoffs. In case you don't know, in case you're just a Knicks fan, not a basketball fan, Brunson damn near carried the Mavericks when Doncic was hurt last year in the playoffs. Different situation, because now he's going to be scouted harder, etc. But, and the Knicks, they lose this game tonight. They're going to turn what was a great season, and they're going to put it, and it's just like in 2020, they're going to turn a great season into... I guess it's 2021, actually. 
into a season that left a bad or leaves a bad taste in your mouth because you're coming out of this playoffs with some real questions about guys that you didn't have questions about going into the playoffs. And Randall aside, because he's always an enigma, but that's Obi Toppin. Is he built for this? Is that that's IQ? Is he built for this? Give Grimes a little bit of a pass. Grimes got hurt his rookie year. He was hurt for a month or so coming into this season. So this is his, his only full-ish NBA season and his first playoffs. I give him a little bit of a little bit of a pass. And it shows some glaring weaknesses in their approach schematically. Now remember, Hardenstein is a guy who came in to the Knicks with a three-point shot. And he hasn't been asked to take it consistently. Right? The Knicks could use some spacing right now. The fact that Mitchell Robinson doesn't have a five-foot floater, that he doesn't have a five-foot floater game, it kills the Knicks. I knew that would, that would come back and, and rear its ugly head against somebody. And it's happening against the Heat. But you can survive with Mitchell Robinson not being somebody who spaces the floor well. It's just hard to have him not be able to make a free throw and not be able to get the ball around the rim and make something happen that's not a dunk. That's hard. And not having that five-foot floater, it hurts. Now, Hartenstein has it, and he needs to be set up for it more often. But you got a guy in Hartenstein that can hit a three. It's too late for that now. But all year long, it should have been a thing where Hartenstein could space the floor for you at the five position to open up the spacing. And that was never a thing for this team. If he can, if you can just utilize Hartenstein's five-foot floater game, it would open so much up for the Knicks. Especially if you knew that you were looking for it, prepared for it, you drove and waited for somebody to leave him just so he could take that shot. That's how Miami plays. They play anticipating the defense and then making the next pass. Now, if you leave Hartenstein on the perimeter, that affects your offensive rebounding game. In theory, unless you ask Julius Randle to be the offensive rebounder. Julius Randle, who's very effective in the paint, you have him in the paint fighting for offensive rebounds and see what that looks like. Now, the playing small, again, it's too late for that because Hartenstein barely hit a three all year. Uh, playing small with Randle and Toppin, I think I, I mentioned that before the series. I think it makes you a weak defensive team. If you play drop coverage with Julius Randle, I think you have to trap and blitz the ball handlers with Julius Randle. He, he engages defensively when he does that, or you just out all out switch depending on who's who's screening. The switch is going to kill you with Bam. Okay, but the help defense at the rim is going to be lacking when you have Julius Randle at the five, and offensively, Obi Toppin has to be functional. If Obi Toppin is not functional, then it don't make no sense to go small with Obi Toppin. You have to go small with R.J. Barrett or Josh Hart. And that kind of just, it defeats the purpose if you don't play Josh Hart being the person that gets himself inside the paint and then kicks out to everyone else. If you're still leaving Josh Hart outside and then trying to attack the paint, then you're going to run into the same problems because Josh Hart's not shooting well and he's hesitant shooting the ball, etc. So you need a functional OB Toppin or you have to run that lineup without Josh Hart, which with the injured IQ is likely not to happen. You know, so I, I think 
I think everything has, you know, for, unfortunately, you can't just do something for two seconds and see if it works and then, okay, it didn't work and move on. Usually, you got to give things a couple of minutes and things can get out of hand in a couple of minutes because the Knicks aren't scoring enough points. So, when they're not scoring enough points and you go down on a 6-7-0 run, it feels like it's a 30-point lead, which is terrible. It's really terrible. And, again, Tibbs' lack of offensive innovation is killing the team. The team needs to be, you know, more players need to be sol- more solid in their abilities on the court. But, yeah, he could, do, he could be doing more. He could be doing more. He could be more inventive, and he's not. And he's not. I think, I think the Knicks need the Jalen Brunson that they had all regular season. You saw a little bit of it last game. He wasn't efficient. And he played with a lot of heart, though. They need guys like that. They need R.J. Barrett to play with a lot of heart, and he has in this series. They need Quentin Grimes to step up and be aggressive. People clowning him for that cockback dunk and whatever. Be aggressive. Be an offensive force. Be somebody that has to be guarded and dealt with and not just somebody that have to chase off a three-point shot. Because when you just have guys that you could chase off a three-point shot and they don't do anything else, that's why Reggie Bullock isn't here anymore. Because Atlanta just chased him off a three-point shot and then he just passed the ball. Quentin Grimes can't be that person. He has, he has more skill than that. So he has to he has to be aggressive when that closeout comes. He has to make teams play pay for for coming out and taking that one false step so he can beat them off the dribble and finish at the rim where he's strong or create something for someone else. Where he's also strong is just not a skill they utilize very much. I don't know if IQ is going to play tonight, but, you know, if you're getting a mixture of the IQ that wasn't playing well and, I, and, and an injured IQ, that is, I don't know if it's worth playing him. But it's all hands on deck. We talked about pressing the Fournier button. And like I said, I went into it last episode. I just don't know if there's going to be enough shots for Fournier to make a difference. Yes, they have to respect him on the perimeter, but I think they're going to play the same defense and just close out on him. And it's not like he's been lights out all year in that situation. And then they're going to attack him on on defense. Um, But it's all hands on deck. You throw Derrick Rose in there and see if he got a spark for you. Uh, I heard Derrick Rose suited up. Put all his sleeves and armor on last game. And apparently he doesn't usually do that when he knows he's not going to play. So I think it's all hands on deck tonight. Uh, the crowd will definitely go wild if he comes out. I think it's a boost right off the bat in energy. Anyway, it's not over till it's over. So I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to look down on any moves or suggestions at this point because you know, the Grimes in the starting lineup actually, you know, gave a boost to the offense just like we all thought it would. And then they still didn't win. That's fine. It doesn't mean it was the wrong move, obviously. But at this point, whatever Tibbs does, you can't really question it unless you see it not working and he doesn't change it. This is all hands on deck right now. It's It just feels like there's a lot more fundamental player skill changes that should be like how you read the floor game theory and when you get the ball in this situation you do this this is the shot you look for when they do that there's a lot of that that's needed and i just don't think that's going to happen i don't think the schematic changes are i think the schematic changes the knicks would have to run are too significant to implement in a couple of days 
they should have been doing it all year long. And we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. This is, I always talk about how the playoffs separate the men from the boys. Guys who look great in the regular season because of the way fouls are called and because nobody scouts the same way in the regular season. You see a lot of guys putting up numbers and then playoff time comes. You see where the holes in those people's games are. And I think as a whole, you can go player to player. But as a whole, what you've what you've seen with the Knicks is you've seen the holes in their offensive approach all season long, which has been very simplistic. The actions are simplistic. And it's just a matter of you being in the right place at the right time defensively, rotating when you need to rotate. And when you're when your team, when their opponent is not hitting down hitting their open shots, then it really makes it really easy to stop the major thing the Knicks are trying to do, which is get to the front of the rim. It's just simple. It's not there's nothing there's nothing genius about packing the paint and making them hit jump shots and them not hitting it. Uh, you just expected the Knicks to be better shooting team than they than they've been here in the playoffs, and that comes down to IQ, Grimes, and even Josh Hart, who's shooting a very poor percentage. He's not a great shooter, but he shot much better from three with the Knicks than he has in the past. And same thing with Obi Toppin. So you're seeing a lot of shook ones here in, in this playoffs and uh, at the end of the day if the Knicks had a more free-flowing read and react offense from every position on the floor all year long then I think they'd have more confidence offensively now in in the playoffs and they'd be more dynamic instead of trying to make it happen in the middle of a series but like I said game four showed that they're not the better team in the series game five is going to show how much heart they have do they have do they have the gumption? Do they have the guts to win? And you're gonna and you're gonna be able to to pick out who on this team you go forward with based on how they play tonight. I don't care if they play five minutes, fifteen minutes, two minutes, you're gonna know tonight if that guy is built for New York and built for the long run. Because this team is not far away from the promised land. This is a great opportunity for them this year. With a weekend decent conference, they had really no solid chance to beat Philadelphia and Boston, but they had a better chance of beating them than they did Giannis. And a Nick team operating on all cylinders because of their defense, you think they have a chance against anyone. This was the easiest chance for them to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. This is the, they've had in, in years the easiest chance for them to get to the actual finals that they've had probably since the 90s. And they dropped the ball for avoidable reasons. So it's very disappointing. But you don't want to see the team embarrass themselves at home like they did a few years back. You want to see them you want to see them step up, puff their chest out, play with some pride, and make Miami beat them. Even if your shots are not falling, make Miami have to fight you every step of the way, every single possession. And that's something you haven't seen quite enough of. You've seen more of it from Miami than them. And that's what this game is about. So We'll be here afterwards, win or lose, and we'll hear, we'll either wrap the season up or we'll talk about how game six is going to be all about taking taking them haymakers in the first half, taking them haymakers after halftime, and seeing if you can, and seeing if their buttholes start getting a little tight at the end of that third quarter in game six. 
In the meantime, don't forget sportsethos.com at sportsethos on Twitter at ethosnicks. Until next time. Thank you.